Good morning. Glad that you're here. I walked into the office this morning and I realized that there was no one else here. Scott's on vacation, Becky's doing a wedding, Bob's on vacation, and Mitchell's backpacking with his family. And so when I walked into the offices this morning, it's like, I'm the only one here. And that's likely why I'm preaching this morning. <laughs> five, five years ago yesterday, we made settlement on our home in San Antonio. It has been a privilege to serve here at First Presbyterian Church, and I look forward to sharing with you this morning, continuing our study in the book of Mark. Follow along as I read Mark 4, verses 35 to 41. On that day, when evening had come, he said to them, let us go across to the other side. And leaving the crowd, they took him with them in the boat, just as he was, and other boats were with them. And a great windstorm arose, and the waves were breaking into the boat so that the boat was already filling. But he was in the stern, asleep on the cushion. And they woke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? And he awoke and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. And he said to them, Why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? And they were filled with great fear and said to one another, Who then is this, that even the wind and the sea obey him? The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our Lord endures forever. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we're thankful for the opportunity to come together today to worship, and I pray that you would use the words of my heart to communicate what you have for us today. Help me to be attentive to what you have given to me and pray that, that you would keep me, keep, me in, keep me going in the direction that we need to go this morning. Thank you for this time together. Thank you for your work in our lives. And give us that peace that passes all understanding and guard our hearts and our minds through Jesus Christ. In his name I pray. Amen. Now, if you heard Scott's sermon last week, he started out in an introduction, and as he began to talk about these last few verses of chapter 4 before he got into chapter 5, I'm sitting over there thinking, he's going to preach my sermon this morning. <laughs> Fortunately, that didn't happen, and, and I do have some things to share with you, but I just was a bit nervous, thinking, is he going to leave me anything for next week? Because in the flip-flop of, of trading with him, he also, we also traded the scriptures. So the verses that we're looking at today are kind of in the middle. They're kind of transition or they're moving scriptures. They're, they're in a period that is not heavy, deep, and real parables, but it is the transition from one side of the sea to the other. 
Jesus had completed a full day of teaching. He had been using a boat as his pulpit because he knew that, that the crowds would be pressing in on him. In fact, in, in chapter 3, verse 9, he said to his disciples, make sure that there's a boat at the sea because the crowd is going to push up on me. And so when he had finished his teaching, when he had finished, finished his, his preaching, the safest way to exit was to go to the other side of the lake. Now, I'm sure that he knew what was going to take place after he got to the other side, but there was absolutely no way that he was going to walk out of the boat and go through the shore and be able to get past the crowds that had gathered. So they took the safest way. And then it says in verse 37, a great windstorm arose and the waves were breaking into the boat, so the boat was already filling. Now, I've been on the Sea of Galilee in a boat two times in my life. The first, when I was a junior in high school or senior in high school, my dad and I took one of those trips that were, um, that was a 12-day tour, one of those trips where you take a lot of pictures, you go home and you look at where you had been. And, and so we, we did that when I was a junior in high, a senior in high school. And then in my junior year of college, I was on an eight-week Bible majors tour to the Holy Lands, and we spent time in London and Paris and Rome, but we were four weeks in Israel. On both of those occasions, in a boat on the Sea of Galilee, studying these scriptures, there were storms. I began to wonder if maybe the boat tour companies had worked out a deal with Hollywood producers and figured out how to give these Holy Land pilgrims the full experience as they were trying to follow in the footsteps of Jesus. Uh, just like they can do here in many amusement parks that you can sit there and watch a storm come or watch a flood come. But I'm sure that's not what took place. This was a great windstorm, and the waves were filling the boat, causing real concern from these seasoned fishermen and seasoned sailors. They had been on this lake before and had seen many storms, and this one was severe enough that it filled them with fear. John 1 1 to 3 tells us, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God, and all things were made through Him, and without anything, without Him, nothing that was made, nothing would have been made that was made. These verses in John are directly connected to Genesis chapter 1, where it says, in the beginning God created the heavens, and the earth. And God said, let there be light. God's creative work was in connection and in, in unity with Jesus Christ, who is the Word, as He spoke into creation. He said, He used His Word, and that is Jesus Christ. And so, the Creator of the universe 
was in the boat with them, why were they so afraid? If Jesus is the creator of the universe and Jesus took part in creating the universe with the Father and the Son, it was a, a, a team effort. Why were they so afraid? And if they trusted Jesus, if they knew Jesus, as, and they were spending time with Jesus, apparently they hadn't spent enough time. Apparently their, their experience with him hadn't grown to the point, but they were deep in fear, almost crippled. And these were not men who were not used to being on the lake or on the Sea of Galilee in a storm. Verse 38 says, But he was in the stern, asleep on the cushion. And they woke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? That was interesting to me that they were afraid for their lives and what they, they spoke, what they were concerned about, was that Jesus was asleep in the stern of the boat, on a cushion, no less. That seems to, that seems to paint a picture to me of a peaceful, restful, um, deep sleep. And how could he be sleeping when we are so afraid? How could he be sleeping when we are about to, to drown? Did they not want to disturb him from his rest because of his long teaching day? At what point had they lost confidence in their ability to manage the storm on their own? It brought them to the place where they cried out to Jesus to wake him up. I'm sure they, they conferred together and decided that Jesus could do something. I'm just not sure what they expected him to do. Even in their, their question to him, it didn't seem to, to produce any confidence. And you hear the urgency in their voices. Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? In fear, their question doesn't seem to me to carry much confidence. It's almost like a statement they were saying to him, we are all going to die here. Don't you want to be awake with us when we do? I don't think that they were really expecting him. I don't know what, that they knew what to expect. They, I think they did believe that Jesus could do something. And when he awoke and rebu rebuked the wind and said to the sea, peace be still, and the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. Jesus awoke and he calmed the storm. It was exactly what the disciples, what the people in the boat needed him to do. And the fear of immediate death was relieved. But then he said to them, why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? And Jesus challenged his disciples often with those words, O ye of little faith, or where is your faith? Or, why don't you believe? Jesus challenged their faith in the light of their fear. Fear can be a negative emotion. When we are overcome, 
and pulled away from our faith. On the other hand, fear can be a positive emotion when it equips us and empowers us to grow our faith. I'm not sure that on this side of heaven we will ever be fearless, but I am convinced that we can be less fearful in our personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Growing our faith requires testing, teaching, and time. And fear is a catalyst for all three. The disciples were on a fast track for growing their faith, and Jesus was challenging them to stay in it. I'm not sure that he was being critical. I'm not sure that he was demeaning them because of their fear. I think he was pleading with them, have you not yet seen who I am? Have you not yet experienced what I am capable of doing? Are you not yet understanding my mission and my message? Why are you so afraid? And then in verse 41, they were filled with great fear after witnessing Jesus' power and authority over the wind and the waves. And they looked at each other and said, who then is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? Fear was very, a very common experience in the lives of the disciples. They watched Jesus do things and they didn't understand and, and they were afraid. It was part of their testing and teaching and their time with him that was meant to be growing their faith. The disciples were at the beginning of their journey with Jesus. They had seen him do many things. They heard his new teachings, and although they were with him day and night, they hadn't had enough time to process it all. Even when they got to the other side of the Sea of Galilee, and the demonic man came running down the hill, and Jesus cast the demons out of him into the, the herd of pigs, and they ran into the sea, the statement there was they were afraid. Maybe they were afraid because they were all in. They were committed to following Jesus. However, they had not arrived completely in their understanding of his mission and his message and their role in it. They were all in, but they were concerned what that would mean down the road as they continued on their journey. We're committed to Jesus. We want to follow him, but we're seeing him do all kinds of things that just stir an emotion of fear within us. And we don't know what's going to be required of us because of that. If we're walking with a man who can cast out demons, if we're walking with a man who can calm the, the wind and say to the waves, peace be still, if we're walking with a man that can call people from the dead and, and to heal, what does that mean for us? I think they were afraid because they knew there were going to be changes in their own lives. There were going to be challenges to what they saw and what they, what they participated in. And I don't believe that 
that Mark that recorded this story just to help us see that Jesus has power and authority over the wind and the waves. We might not be on the water in a boat, but we all experience storms. We all experience storms in our lives. Look back over the last 12 to 16 months. Were there fears, were there storms in your lives, in our lives together, that, that caused us a certain amount of fear? And even now that we are moving out of the pandemic and coming face to face, and it's exciting to see the number of folks that are here in person, and it's exciting to see the, the number of events that are continuing and our opportunity to get together throughout the week. But there was a certain amount of fear and a certain amount of time that needed to take place and also a certain amount of teaching and understanding to bring us to the point of being comfortable to coming together face to face. What storms of life have crippled you with fear? How was the storm calm? What did you learn from it? Was Jesus involved? And then is Jesus involved in your life? And how long does it take for you to call on Jesus when you're in the middle of a storm? I was wondering about the disciples in the boat. They were thinking, maybe they were thinking, we are seasoned sailors, we are seasoned fishermen. This is just a storm and it'll pass. At some point it got beyond their comfort zone. At what point did they decide we've got to wake up Jesus even though we don't know what he's going to do? Too often we, we tolerate, we stay in the storm because we're not willing, we're afraid, or embarrassed to ask for help. How long does it take for you to call out to Jesus and say, help me? Help is not a bad word. If I was going to write a book in, in relation to what I'd studied for my doctor of ministry, it would have been, help is not a four-letter word. My dissertation was understanding and addressing the reasons, understanding and addressing the resistance to seeking help. We don't like to ask for help. And that's motivated by pride. It's also motivated by fear. And we're willing to stay in the battle because we don't want to admit that we really are afraid. Psalm 23 says, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. 
You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Do we believe that? Do we really believe that? Does that motivate us and move us into a deeper relationship with God and Jesus Christ? Does that help us to deal with the day-to-day fears in our lives? 1 John 4, 18 says, There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. For fear has to do with punishment, and whoever fears has not been perfected in love. That perfect love that casts out all our fears are totally connected to the power and authority of Christ's death and resurrection. I wouldn't say that I'm a Greek scholar. I have memorized uh, John 1, 1 to 12 in Greek, and I sort of remember it. And I probably could say it, but I don't want to bother you with that. But I've learned that when we investigate the roots of Greek words, there are often nuggets of truth and amazing connecting points. The Greek word here in 1 John 4, translated perfect, is teleos. The root word is teleo, meaning to be completed, completely developed, or finished to perfection. In John 19, 30, when Jesus cried out from the cross, it is finished. That Greek word was tetelestai, also from the same root word, teleo. On the cross, Jesus' love for us was made complete and finished to perfection. The way through our, even our greatest fear is to hear Christ calling to us from the cross. My perfect love, completely developed, completely demonstrated here, is available to you to walk confidently with me through your storms of life. Is fear a positive emotion equipping you and empowering you to grow your faith? Or is fear an emotion that draws you away from your faith and draws you into deeper fear? Jesus often said to his disciples, fear not. The message from the angels at the birth of Jesus was, Fear not, for behold, I bring you tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Are are we the question that I have for us today? Are we taking 
is when we are tested, do we understand the testing of our faith? Are we pursuing teaching that can help us to grow our faith? And are we spending time evaluating and experiencing and taking note of how our faith is growing? We don't want to be crippled. We don't want to be left behind. We want to be growing in our relationship with Jesus Christ. My hope and prayer, too, is that Jesus is intimately, you are intimately involved in an intentional, intimate, and obedient relationship with Jesus Christ. That is the answer. That is the beginning of the answer to dealing with our fears. We are going to be afraid. There are times when I am afraid. I think I've shared this before, but when I fly, I'm afraid. I endure flying. I don't enjoy flying. And I've been to Alaska eight times. And four of those times, five of those times was from Essex Junction, Vermont. So I had to fly across the whole continental United States and then fly up the coast into um, past Canada over the Rockies and into Anchorage. And that landing in Anchorage brings you in over the Rockies and then dumps you down into the sound and you're flying over the water for at least 20 minutes while you're getting ready to land in Anchorage. That brings fear to me, even at times crippling fear. Until one year in, in, our, in our Bible school in Chivek, we learned the song, I'm no longer a slave to fear. And that song is always going through my head now whenever I fly. Now you might say, I'm, I'm just weak and, and I should just get over it. What am I afraid of? Do I trust in God? Do I trust in Jesus? Do I know that he is in control? I'm not afraid to die. I just don't want it to hurt. We all have fears. Jesus Christ, the power and authority of Christ's death and resurrection is the starting point for us to be, to be relieved of that and to be walking in a close relationship with him. Testing, avowing ourselves to teaching, and recognizing that it takes time. Please pray with me. Father, I'm thankful for the time that we've had together this morning. Thankful that you are beyond and above all of our fears. Help us to trust in you. Strengthen our faith. Walk with us. Help us to know and understand that you have the power and authority over everything that we will experience and we don't need to be crippled by our fears. Go before us this week. Pray that you would guide and direct us in opportunities to be a witness for you and help us to be instruments of your peace.
in everything that we say and do. In Jesus' name, amen.